Welcome in to another episode of the NFL Worm Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Stopsky. My co-host, Matt, is out this week. Uh, he's with family. So we're going to hold up on doing the NFC West preview today. Instead, I'm bringing on a buddy of mine, the co-host of the PFF Forecast, uh, one of the smartest people in football, PFF cap analyst, Brad Spielberger. I start by asking Brad, the cap analyst and analytics nerd, why he single-handedly is killing the running back position. Yeah, it's actually interesting because you probably understand this. You get the joke, or I hear a lot, maybe not as a joke on Twitter and whatnot, that, oh, you went to PFF and therefore you think running backs are not valuable and are replaceable and et cetera, et cetera. And I found it interesting when I was well before I was at PFF, just looking at over the cap, seeing that Adrian Peterson and Chris Johnson signed for in 2011, 14 million per year and 13 and a half million per year. And then it was like, probably this is probably 2019. I'm sitting there, I'm like, Todd Gurley, Todd Gurley, I guess, got there, but I was like, they're they're 10 years behind a peak and like every other position's in, off in the stratosphere. So the NFL figured this out a decade ago. Um, maybe they were obviously flashing the pan. You had McCaffrey, Zeke, Zeke Elliott, et cetera. But the growth of the, that position compared to the others was already stagnant, uh, you know, well before the nerds were running rampant on uh, on social media. And we, we, were, we were talking about this morning. Uh, and you made the joke that you know we, uh, nerds are, are ruining it and also somehow don't know what the fuck they're talking about and shouldn't talk about ball. So it's, it, we really can't win uh, in, in this deal here. So um, I'm not, I, I know the whole thing with, with Saquon Barkley, um, and there's a lot of talk right now about him holding out. I, I'm not really going to get into that. Uh, so I don't, I don't think that's the interesting part, really, is, is him holding out or is he worth the money. Uh, I really think it's um, you know, we're in a very clear like crossroads here between the running backs and, and the league, uh, you know, obviously how, how the hell did we get here and how do you fix it? And you've seen, we've seen everyone has their two cents on how you should fix this issue. Right. Um, however, I don't think it lands with the owners and the nerds, right? Like I saw a lot of hate going towards the owners and I'm not one to back owners. You know, that's not my thing. Um, but, they're not going to bid against themselves, right? Like, if there's no collusion going on. I guess it's been the way it's been for for a handful of uh, for a handful of years now. Um, and I would love, would love if analytics guys got that kind of pull to to move a, a position market like that. Um, but you know, analytics nerds love safeties, and those guys can't get paid worth dick. So obviously, yeah, that, 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 <laughs> and tight ends. So nothing's happening there. Apparently, just running back is the only spot where analytics guys uh, are are killing it. Um, so with with the running backs, right? We know their peak hits early, right? Like it's out the gate year year one, year two, and they're they're ready to go. They're, a lot of them are all pros in the first three years in the league. I was looking at the the, all, the AP All Pro team since 2013. I think it's been 18 different unique All Pros, first and second team. Only four of them happened after their fifth season. Oh, sorry, there are only three: Adrian Peterson, um, uh, I think it was Shady, and it was uh, Marshawn Lynch, or sorry, it was it was uh, Jamal Charles. Sorry, um, and none since 2015. Or since 2016, like so, it's the last person to do is Adrian Peterson, who you can argue top three running back of all time. You know, and it's, 2012 it's, was maybe the greatest single season performance like of the last generation, right? 
Right. So um, it, it does seem like the running back position based on the new CBA is kind of fucked, right? Like you can't hit free agency in year four or year five or you mean year six for guys like you know, Barkley who are going to get franchise tag or get the fifth year option. Um, what do you do? Like, like if you know, you're, you're a smart man. Saquon Barker calls you up. Josh Jacobs calls you up. They go, Brad, fix this. What are you doing? Yeah, no, it's 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 a very complicated situation. You mentioned the collusion. It's not an example of that. I'm also not one to say owners wouldn't potentially collude. It's more, I mean, look, there is obviously mechanisms in place that work against the running back career and their arc and when they peak and all those things. And it's just there, the unfortunate casualty of, I mean, the franchise tag is obviously colluding to suppress the, t- the highest paid players at every position across the NFL. But I'm including is the wrong word, but nevertheless, like, the issue is, yeah, 25, 26, like, is your peak. And then, and at that age, I mean, Josh Jacobs is, is, is 25 right now. Uh, Saquon's 26. You'd think that's young, but it's like they probably have historically, based on probabilities, whatever, two or three good seasons left. And, and you know, you could have done two or three year deals or three year deals that really were two year deals, et cetera. Um, it's funny you mentioned Saquon, too. This is kind of a tangent, but. It's funny because Saquon obviously is the name. He's the guy. He still is a phenomenal football player. But Josh Jacobs is 25 years old now and also will finish the season 25. He won the he had a rushing title last year. He is uh, he he can catch the ball, ball at over 50 catches last year. It's not really like running routes, but you know he can do it. And like I don't even think there was like a substantial conversation. Like he's even more of a jarring just like who gets paid if he doesn't get paid. In my opinion, you know, then a Saquon and then Jonathan Taylor who's eligible is probably the biggest of the three, frankly. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, Jacobs was an all-pro. I don't think Barkley's had an all-pro season yet. Um, he's had a lot of great seasons, but I don't think he's actually had an AP all-pro season. I think he's had, like, a sports news um, all-pro, and I think maybe, maybe a PFF all-pro at one point. But we don't count them. Again, they're nerds. Uh, so that discounted. Um, so, you know, would it help if, and well, not only would it help, but is it even possible to change the rookie deal from four years to three years? Yeah, so before the 2011 CBA, you could get extended after two seasons. Like Rob Gronkowski got extended extended for two years, and it's one of the best value deals in the history of the sport. And it's just, again, just an example of random tangent. But, but yeah, so there's precedent for it, and it can be done. When people mention that, and they sometimes they say only running backs, like, no, you'd have to do it for the entirety of the NFL um, they still would benefit and they'd be able to, you know, kind of leverage their position better just as anybody else could. Um, but yeah, if you only did it for them then they wouldn't get drafted until later, cause there's a disadvantage to their, you know, situation. But anyway, like that is a big part of it. You know, NIL is huge because that's also like, they need to be getting paid during those years. You know, Bijan has turned a lot of TVs on in the last two years. Yeah. For Texas who hasn't been doing anything really. So, uh, that, right. I, I agree with you. Uh, and, and and also, I've also heard this, um, you know, if, if it's just a running backs, they won't get drafted. Yeah, it has to be for everybody, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I do wonder, you know, if you did change, right, if you did change it um, from four, no, us, you and I, changed it from, from four to three years. Um, we know it would, it would help running backs, right, because you know, now they can be extended um, after year two or we'll have better leverage extended year two. And we've seen that after the fifth year, in uh in the league that's when they kind of start to fall off so they still have three years of their prime left so it's definitely you can still pay them um 
but positions like uh, the tackle, edge, um, uh, tight end that take four years to develop, would that would that kill their draft stock? Right, because we're seeing even honestly the Miles Garrett of the world don't count. Right? They're like they're amazing players, right? But you see a lot of these guys like Rashawn Gary, right? Rashawn Gary took a full four years. Greg Russo took a full four years to like get to um, quality plus starter level. Um, even though we knew they were, you know, they had great athletic traits um, and were drafted in the first round because of it. Do you think that would hurt the draft stock of edge rushers and, and defensive tackles outside of like the freaks like Miles Garrett? And do you think that would absolutely kill the first round tight end? Would that would that be the final nail in the coffin for what already seems like a bad draft pick? See linemen, no, because I think what you'd honestly see is a lot of early extensions where the team probably saw a lot and, and knew they were still kind of a ball of clay and working through making them a football player, but could probably learn a lot about that person and get an early extension done that turns into a great value. Like, I mean, Rashawn Gary is obviously the perfect example, went through an entire, you know, body recomposition and everything. Um, and like you said, took pretty much the whole rookie contract to break out, but they knew what they were working with, you know, uh, and maybe could have paid them, you know, after three years for, a, you know, a discount, whatever. So there's always different mechanisms to it. Tight end, though. I mean, yeah, right. I mean, we just it's one of the slowest developing positions in the NFL um, and also has a short shelf life. You know, I kind of mentioned earlier, like no one really talks about their market. It's I'm going to say it's as bad, but it's arguably like barely worse than the running back market, frankly. But but yeah, so um, it's a good question and pro probably would change how things operate in terms of draft status and, and things like that. Yeah. And for tight end, like they are pretty valuable. You know, I think that the position group as a whole isn't like as valuable as like receiver, um, but we're seeing like that middle of the field receiver be very important, whether it be your slot receiver, tight end, or or receiver or a primary receiver that works in the middle of the field, um, and and you see it in, in the Super Bowl winners every year. Now that's a very small sample size; it's only get one a year, but you're still seeing the middle of the field receivers, guys like uh, Cooper Cup and Chris Godwin and, and Travis Kelsey and, and Zach Ertz and Robert Rob Gronkowski, who work the intermediate to deep middle of the center of the field. Uh, play integral parts on these teams. Um, so the tight end spot uh, probably has more to gripe about than, than running backs do because they're really, they're, they're really kind of taking, you know, getting a shaft here uh, for their spot. So do you think um, the first change has to be how you calculate the franchise tag? You know, whether it's, whether you agree with the franchise or not, right? Should, should it be changed to, you know, quarterback, offensive line, offense weapon for the offense right skill player yeah we think we text about that as well I, I actually think it's a pretty brilliant idea like i think you have to get creative and think of uh, you know solutions that aren't within the confines of what you think about in terms of nfl rules like i um mentioned once with the partnership with gambling maybe getting a share in some capacity of the handle on your props because running backs are probably the most bet prop at every at the book every sunday i would imagine of of player props Right. So, I, you know, and again, you're not taking it's not whether you win or lose. It's just like the total amount bet, whatever. Um, I, I think you have to get creative and, and do different things to figure out a solution because, you know, it's just it doesn't there's not a lot of easy ones presenting presenting themselves. I love that you're acting like you don't know which prop has the most bets when you hang out with George on a, on a daily basis. <laughs> uh, George, you. Eric, myself. Yeah. You name yeah. name any culprit there. <laughs> um, ben Brown. And, and, and speaking of Eric, you know, he, he made a point, I think it was on the Sumer broadcast, about how 
uh, drafting a tight end is rough because you're usually drafting someone else's franchise tight end. But by the time they're good, they're no longer on your roster. Um, so, you know, th- those guys really do get kind of shafted in, in this whole this whole deal. Um, you know, if, if it does go to three, I, I don't get it. The CBA still has, what, nine more years before it gets renegotiated or something like that? It's, it's, Seven or eight, yeah, yeah a long got, time. We've got a while. So, unfortunately, this is not going to change anytime soon, right? Because you know, there's really nothing that the union can do. They, they agree to this format. Like, well, is there anything the running backs can do right now outside of maybe trying to work around the franchise tag? No, I mean, outside of like a collective, you know, holding out or something that's not probably going to happen. Um, not really. No, <laughs> that's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> Brad, Brad says no, not, nothing. It sucks. I'd love to have a more creative and, and festive answer, but I, I mean, you know, it really would. It would take dramatic action um, to like materially change the construct of the way contracts work in the middle in like three years into an 11 year CBA or whatever it was. Right. And, and you know, I, I, don't, I don't like to to make enemies here, but um, there, but, but fuck you, Brad. Uh, but um, the I, I did see uh, JC Treader was on with Ross Tucker, uh, and I think that clip got around the internet pretty quick about how you know, Saquon could could or this is running back in general, right? Could fake an injury, um, and then you you see running backs like Austin Eckler attacking ownership, and and I forgot who attacked nerds. Someone probably attacked nerds, um, and I I really the JC Treader one really got me because only one group can fix this and it's the fucking union yet then they didn't do anything like this this is this is their own fault you know not not the running this is the union's fault they agreed to this format of of, of rookie contracts they agreed to this kind of franchise tag and it wasn't like it was a shock that running basketball has to drive they've been doing this the past decade uh and they chose not to address it and not fix it yet somehow it's the nerds fucking fault that they're not getting paid, although it's been this way, like you said, since like 2011, and that's that's a real problem. Again, I, I do wonder why none of the hate or none of the criticism moved on to the union, where it probably belongs. Yeah, no, I agree, and, and I do think that like to get super in the weeds and nerdy about it one thing that i do kind of a, a string i pulled at um there is like a good faith negotiation clause or provision i think it actually just in the article with the franchise tags but also maybe just exists globally in the cba but um and like the tag itself sucks but there's also recently been so many instances where you clearly the team doesn't actually have an intention to offer a legitimate contract to the player um and it's just it's hard to prove it's vague. It's not really you like no one's ever I, I've never heard of a, a you know a grievance for not honoring the good faith negotiation. But if you could also put a way to where you somehow set a minimum standard for a first offer, you know, so that you already if you are tagging, you have to be comfortable. What I would say is, you know, the fully guaranteed amount in a multi-year offer would have to be two franchise tags because you're, you're really what you're leveraging is, Hey, we're going to tag it twice. If you won't sign a deal with us, you know, so on and so forth. And so I just feel like it's being weaponized beyond what it was. I mean, it was initially created just for quarterbacks basically. Um, but then I'm sure it still was going to guys that were going to get massive marquee deals, but they needed to buy more time, whatever. And now it's just kind of been like, Hey, we don't really want to pay. You don't really know, but we want to keep you around a year, which just kind of defeats the, it's just not what it's even supposed to be, even though what it's supposed to be is bad inherently in itself as well. Right, it also kind of seems a little un-American, to to a degree, right? Like you know, 
these guys don't get a choice to go where they go. And that's, you know, and I love the draft. So like, I'm not never going to argue to change that. Um, but then, no, then you're, if they, cause they can still get 50 year option and then also franchise tag, right? Like, so you could be a free, you could never see free agency in your prime as a running back. Like there'll just never be a shot, right? You, let's we'll say you're a first round back. Let's we'll say it's B. John Robinson, right? Bijan goes to the uh, no, goes to the first four, uh, four years. He gets his fifth year option, and then he gets franchise tag. Now it's in year seven. You know his 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 prime is done, right? Because they probably put three hundred carries a year on him for for seven for six straight years, and they're gonna let him walk, and then he's gonna be gone, and he'll never see him above ten million dollars his entire career. Um, and that's that's rough, right? That's like that's pretty pretty terrible. So, um. Is there a way to change the franchise, like how the franchise tag is calculated during the, the season, like during this period, or no? Yeah, but the one you mentioned, where the offensive weapon or skill player or whatever you would dignify it, I think is a great solution because we we do already have offensive line, you know, bolstering guards and centers. You have linebacker, which off ball linebackers are kind of untaggable. Like I think a Tremaine Edmonds, if there was an off ball versus edge distinction, is probably a Buffalo Bill on a fourteen million. You know what I'm saying? Like there's, it has machinations that we've seen play out. So yeah, and then if if they're lumped in with wide receivers, it benefits them and tight ends. Um, that like, that's it's I'm telling you, it's one of the better ideas I've I've kind of heard about it as I've been you know thinking about it the last couple of days. Yeah, I think that that's where they have to go because there's really no other way of fixing this. Um, at least in my in my mind, at least in the short term, right? Because that. That honestly, that that will help, right? Because no one's going to franchise take a running back at twenty million dollars a year. It's no, not right. This is no. never going to happen. Or if, or if they do, sorry to cut you off. Like, or if they do that, it's like, all right, they're they're going to make a legit effort to get a deal done with this guy because they've already con- committed a lot of money. Sorry, to cut right? You off. It would be you no know, offensive weapon. We're talking about you know, you're you're thinking about twenty eight million dollars, right? Like, because it's it's it's, it's the uh, average of the top five earners, right? So if that's receivers. Most of them are making mm-hmm. around thir- you know, the top ones are making between $20, $31 million a year at this point. That's a that's a hefty amount, right? Yeah. So, right. like, yeah, you're going to want to get stuff done or you're going to let them walk, which I think they'd be right. happy with right. at this point, right? Let, let them walk, let them get the extra money. Um, but when, when it does come time for a new CBA, um, I, I, I almost feel like. In the 2011 CBA, they, they overcourse corrected from the awful rookie deals, like the Sam Bradford rookie deals, where right. he paid $60 million before he even played and he sucked. Um, or I'm sorry, not sucked. He was uh, not worth $60 million. Uh, but um, no, Chase Daniels, I think. How much, how much money did Chase Daniels make? A lot. More, more than like he should. 50, 50-ish, I think, over his yeah, career. Good for him. I, I, that's, that's, that's incredible. Um, but <laughs> they overcourse credit from that and they got to this rookie wage scale uh and these and these deals which you know totally changed how teams were built you know that you've written about it um i, I do feel like now it has to kind of come to the middle of the ground here where it helps the owners not making these huge investment on guys who are unproven and also the players can get to free agency faster uh before their their time runs out right like i don't know if you watch baseball at all I don't watch baseball. I think baseball is terrible. Uh, but I, I do play uh, the show on MLB occasionally because, you know, I can't play Madden for, for 12 straight months. I'll lose my fucking mind. Uh, so I like I kind of started dabbling into, like, their arbitration deals. I'm like, this fucking blows, man. These guys are, like, 31 years old before they even see free agency. And I'm like, this is 
this is where like it goes for running backs, right? Like they're not touching freedom until they're like 27, 28 years old. And by the time they see the next contract, they're cut in the first two years, like a Todd Gurley or a Zeke Elliott. Like, you know, I don't think people realize how bad that Zeke Elliott deal was. Like that didn't really even kick in for like three years post. Like they did not really make it that deep into that deal before he, you know, was moved to center and blown out and then cut. And now he's I'm assuming working at a Wendy's. I have no idea where he is at this point. There was a report he might go back to Dallas uh, for like a near minimum contract, which he probably should. Yeah, to play center. Like, I like what? what yeah, to, what, what, what's what's he doing? Like that's fullback, fullback, fullback. Exactly. Like the the drop, the drop from like top tier to just middle of the road running back is it's an incredible pace, right? Like you. I, I can't think of a single position where it happens that fast, right? Like, you know, edge rusher, you can kind of start to see coming. You can kind of see receivers coming. But, like, running backs, they could lead the league, and then next year, be a backup. Like, it's... Yeah. It, Maybe it is corner is closest, but, you know, it's still not close to running back. I think the, the nice thing for corner, right, is that they're they're further from the ball. So I don't think they get noticed as much. So if they go from being a great corner to being a bad corner, it takes some time. Yeah, uh, and I think a lot, of, a lot of corners actually get that to that benefit, right? Because there are some corners that have had rough years the last few years and still like have kind of skated on like a single good season, right? right. Um, and they were like, oh well, you know, we don't we don't see it too often. They get they get a few picks a year. Yeah, um, but uh, I do want to bring up more two more things before I let you go. Um, before you went on, Denzel Mims got traded to the Lions. Uh, Joe Douglas as you joked before, continues to get draft picks for these guys who just did not perform at, at expectation. Um, I, I know what happens this year in New York is going to kind of define Joe Douglas as a general manager for the Jets. I really enjoyed his time in New York, regardless. I thought he's done a really good job with that team. Um, uh, people are going to kill the Zach Wilson draft uh draft pick but like there was really no other option there right like it was either take zach wilson or trade back and i don't think there was enough love for zach wilson to get the, the draft hall you would really require to move from two to wherever right everyone right. loved trevor lawrence and there was no one else i also do wonder if it, if we didn't have those um covid regulations would have would things have changed for zach wilson would he have been exposed a little bit more? Would the Justin Fields gotten higher? Right? Because well, we miss a lot in that. I almost I, I really throw that draft out because of how wonky it was. Uh nothing that we had done previously and since happened in that in that draft class, you know, with, right. with with the combine and the, the pro days and uh the all-star games and how everything worked and even even their their college season, right? Like Zach yeah. Wilson never touched anyone outside of UCF. Like that was a it was a bad year. Um, yeah, like I so I, what what was been what's your take on Joe Douglas and what he's done so far in, in New York? Yeah, so outside of since we're talking about Denzel Mims, do not look at his first draft class because that's a horror show. But um, after that, I really do, including Denzel Mims in the second round. But um, after that, I really do think he settled in. Um, I mean, obviously last year was a, was a home run, but you know various good picks throughout the years, and then the trades are incredible. I mean, he's gotten unbelievable value out of, I mean, you know, Jamal Adams is the big one, of course, but we were joking about Blake Cashman. Denzel Mims has been on the bubble of the roster for the last, like, two years straight. Like, there's a story about it every week. 
and he just apparently is going to execute a trade uh, per Justina Anderson. I, I don't see why it wouldn't happen. But, uh, yeah, the guy can trade. The guy can wheel and deal. That much we know. Awesome. That, and, and getting getting Rodgers, which that, that took forever. Um, yeah, I'm did. very excited to see what happens with New York this year. The only problem is they play with, again, you know, with the Dolphins and the Bills, who the Dolphins yeah. are sneaky good. Like, oh, yeah. Everyone loves the Bills right now, and as they should. I think they have maybe the best roster in football. Uh, but the Dolphins are are right up there, like yes, right right below uh, teams like the Eagles and, and the Bills, probably tied to the Jets really in terms of roster quality. Yeah, so it's um, there's there's a chance that there's you know they put together the best roster they've had in over maybe 15 years, and they still only walk away with 10 wins just because of the quality yeah. competition. Um, I, I know this is not on the like, not on the docket of questions I was going to ask you, but like you know I've been talking about it for a little bit. Uh, Patriots that kind of like a five win team to me. I don't know how you feel about the Patriots. I know they're I think what win tolls like seven and a half or eight or whatever for the, the Patriots. Probably around there. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that like in a weird way, Bill has beat a team that you're going to beat bad teams still. And there are a lot of bad, unprepared, you know, lackadaisical mistake making teams. And like, I think he'll just his floor is like seven, eight wins. I really do. I it just, I mean, their, their defense was not talented on paper last year and was the, you know, EPA per play is not everything, but they were literally the first in EPA per play allowed um, last year. And part of it's because they would have, they had like five interceptions uh, and allowed like 300 total yards to the jets in two games. Speaking of the jets, uh, you know, so they just dominated and bullied. Um, and I, I mean, I love Christian Gonzalez. He was my favorite. I was way too high on Christian Gonzalez. I thought he should have been a top five, six pick. Um I didn't really love Keon White, but I mean, he went in the mid second where he, you know, made more sense. Anyway, that's a whole different conversation. I don't know. I think they're going to have a good defense. I think Bill O'Brien is going to be enough a step up from Matt Patricia where it, it's meaningful and, and, you know, changes things a little bit. The weapons are not good, uh, but playoff Lenny, Lombardi Lenny, maybe in the mix. So, but yeah, I think they win seven or eight games, but, you know, it's, it's tough. That division's brutal. I'm, I agree with you on Miami. They're, Top to bottom, both sides. Vic Fangio now in the building. Their defense is very talented, um, and, and their offenses as well. So I'm with yeah, you. Miami's insane. I, I just think that this this roster for New England is, is possibly the weakest it's ever been. It's just there's no one on that team I don't like, but there's no one I also get excited about, and Correct. that's not <laughs> a great roster, right? Like I always compare them. I, I compare those rosters to like you know when you open. It, I don't know if you play Madden or not. When you like, uh, when they suck you into playing mud for like thirty minutes, uh, and you open up that first pack, and you're like, "Wow, this team is mid as shit." Like that, that's that's the Patriots. You're like, "Wow, all these guys I came in to get rid of, uh, and and start somebody else," because um, they're not good. Like it's it's, it's, they're, it's not that not it's not that they're bad, right? They're just they're all of them are like middle of the league players, um, which is not how you win games. Um, so I think they I think they're gonna have a, have a kind of a rough year. I agree, Bill O'Brien's better than Matt Patricia, but like. This is better than Matt Patricia. Like, Matt Patricia's terrible. Like, he's an awful, That's, awful Yeah, big step up, though. <laughs> Bill O'Brien can coach the ball. <laughs> yeah, Bill O'Brien actually knows what an offense is. You're correct. Um, <laughs> yeah, Matt Patricia was a like, bad coach. Bad, bad coordinator. I don't know. He maybe he's a good position coach. I have no idea. I've never even heard about him as a uh, position coach. I'm not even sure what he coaches. Hmm. Obviously, a linebacker coach. And, he's and, DBs, I believe, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong on that, but I'm fairly certain. But I don't know. Anyway. He's DBs. <laughs> I oh think boy. so. Oh boy. All right. Looking that up. 
<laughs> no, no, I'm not. I made that up in my head, but yeah, actually, he's a long snapper. Uh, so I, I've yeah, no idea what he coaches. So uh, we'll see what maybe maybe he's good. Uh, where was he in that season? Was he going to Philly? Is he in Philly? Who cares? Who? Oh yeah, he's like a defensive assistant, I think, in Philly, which is funny because Darius Slay was like, yeah, all right, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we have to, right. yeah, I guess. Um, the last thing, uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins filing signs with the Titans, um, yeah, which was a, a pretty big deal for this late in, in the year to have that kind yeah. of money. Um, I personally, the Titans are gonna be terrible this year. I've I had as one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, this roster makes New England look good. Like it's a it's a very bad mm-hmm. roster, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, I had Cole Brown on. Uh, actually, I don't think you met Cole. Uh, I think you were you guys had you guys didn't. Uh, Overlap a PFF, uh, but Cole used to work, uh, used to do talent for us, or not me, you guys now, uh, but he used to do talent for PFF back in the day, uh, and he's a giant uh, Titans fan, and we were talking about it, and I said, you know, this offense is bad, right? There's There was no weapons at the time. There, Derrick Henry is getting older. The offensive line is rebuilding, like really rebuilding. It's a bad line, uh, and I do think Tannehill has finally come down from like this second half of his year like walk on water jesus play that he's had where he was a top 10 quarterback for a hot minute um and his defense like just mike ripple's amazing one of the best coaches in the league and he's made teams that should not be good good i don't know if you can overcome this much even with deandre hopkins who i also think is not the deandre hopkins of houston he's still very good i just don't think he's top three receiver in the league anymore deandre hopkins like what what do you feel about this good money or you think it's all about the money or do you think there's any shot this helps the south i know the south isn't good but jacksonville's not bad i I know most of you can probably still win this division with nine wins i don't know if tennessee's close to nine wins they probably have the worst offensive line in the NFL, and then their weaponry just went from 32nd debate, arguably, to, and I like Jerry Conquo and Traylon Burks, but still. Um, right. And, uh, yeah, and uh, now is 23rd, 24th. Like, it's not a, I don't think it's a massive difference. And I think it was a good deal. Yeah, I mean, like, two years, 26 in July. Um, I also, I don't think he's as bad as people have said. He's still solid, but, yeah, he's not, like, an elite, elite player anymore um, like he was for a long time. So, yeah, they're bad. Their roster is bad. The secondary is still at the corners, I guess I should say. The safeties are good, but corners are a question mark. Like, I mean, McCreary's solid, but but yeah. Vrabel is a great coach, though, so who, who knows? He could pull out nine wins somehow, uh, but I think it's going to be more like five or six, like you think the Patriots. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually have ten. Before the DeAndre Hopkins signing, I had them at uh, three. So we'll see, yeah. if, we'll see how wrong I am. The only reason I didn't have him at, uh, at the worst team is because Los Angeles still exists, and that Rams team is trying to lose, full-on trying to lose. Yeah. Um, do you think they move Stafford before the end of the year? I kind of feel like – I don't know if anyone actually wants Stafford at this point. That dude's arm is like hanging by a thread. Like that elbow and is back, And up. his back is worse than his arm. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, no, I they can't like no one will take him, I would imagine. But at the end of the year, you know, unless he has a great season, but it's like, you know, yeah, their roster has three has three good players on it. <laughs> you think that they make it through 2023 with all three on the roster? Probably. Yeah, I do. Really? And then I think weirdly enough, like Stafford, I would think, you know, is most likely to leave uh, by a decent margin. Maybe they're just bringing the hometown kid and Caleb Williams, but, you know, they'll pick high. Uh, they really could probably get the number one overall pick, but 
anyway, yeah, it's like, yeah, but Cooper Cup and, and Aaron Donald, I think they want to be career Rams. I really do. No, I, I understand that. I just wonder if, you know, I know Aaron Donald's been like talking about retirement for a while and how real that is. I don't really know, but I don't see why he'd be lying about it. It's like he's already, yeah. he's already done everything he can do. As a player, right? He's a first, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer if he retired today. So yeah, he was like if he wanted to retire like three years ago, right? Even, yeah, even yeah. Before the Super Bowl win, he mm-hmm. was a Hall of Famer. Um, so like I, I could see him walking away, and you know, do the Rams trade him to get some assets because he could improve a contender immensely, right? Like he's still a top three or four defensive lineman, like regardless he, of position, for sure. So yes. I don't know. I I I feel like uh, you know it's easy to say now, right, that he wants to be a career ram. And I I do agree they want to probably be a career ram, right? But but if you if we get to week seven and they're one and six, that might be a different conversation, right? Where it's like Yeah, maybe guys, I'm, we'll I'm, I'm, I'm gonna fucking retire at halftime. I'm like I'm one of these games at some point. Like I'm done. <laughs> yeah, pull Vontae Davis at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not gonna be here anymore. It's like do a Magic Johnson. Like I right, see you guys, but um, yeah, yeah that, that's uh, that, the Rams are gonna be interesting to watch this year. That that's a I don't think I've seen a team gut a roster like that, like because it, it it full on like fire sale. Like I know we kind of say every now and then's a fire sale. That was a full fire sale. I, I they like what thirty rookies on that team right now. 40, I think, and obviously, you know, a bunch of those will get cut down when they go from 90 to 53. But yeah, no, it's it's an absurdly large rookie class and 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 rookie contract players outside of the few guys they are paying. It's it's a it's a, it's a shell of a roster. Yeah. All right. One more question. I, I know I, I said 15 minutes, we're going on 35 here, so I will I will end on this one because uh, maybe maybe you can help me because uh, I've been talking to people about this a lot and they can't figure the fuck out and you're very smart, uh, you know. Lame Law grad, genius. We we know. Um, Vandy graduated too, right? Yeah, you were. You were was it Vandy and Tulane Law, or was it Tulane yeah. Vandy Law? You got it right the first time. Yeah. Okay. Boom. I thought. thought yeah. Fucking no. Uh, yeah. What is Minnesota doing? Because I can't tell if they're trying to win or trying to lose because they keep making moves that says they're building for the future, but their roster very much seems like they need to win this year because the NFC North is not good. Like, it's not a bad division. No, it's, a bad, right. it's a bad division. Okay, all right, I'm about to say that. Uh, <laughs> like, the Lions are okay, and the they're Packers okay. are okay, and the Bears are garbage. Because, um, yeah. I, honestly, I, I don't think Justin Fields makes a pass this year as a, as a Bears starting quarterback. Um, they with Before they traded Zedarius Smith and got rid of Dalvin Cook, I thought they were squarely in... The, like the spot to win the North, not 13 wins like last year. That was a fluke. We all know it was a fluke, but like 10 wins, win the North, make the dance, see what happens. Right? Kirk Cousins gets way too much hate. He's uh, probably a top 10 quarterback, arguably top 10 quarterback, maybe a top eight quarterback, depending on the year he's having. Anything can happen with that, right? A few things, you know, bounce here and there. They had a phenomenal edge rushing group with uh, with Darius Smith, Preston Smith, and um, not Preston Smith, Darius Smith, and um. Uh, Davenport and and who did I miss him? Uh, Daniel. Daniel, thank you. Um, so they had a great uh, group of players uh, at edge, and then they they took away one and made it kind of a good group, not but now kind of average, right? And they cut Dalvin Cook, which 
you know, I'm not bit. You know, I'm, I I would like to think I'm a little progressive in the way I think about sports. I'm, I worked in an analytics company for a while. I still work with analytics companies now. Uh, I'm not big on um, you know paying running backs big money. But once they're on the roster, like what the fuck does it matter? Like they're already there. Like you already paid the guy. Like you're not changing it now. Um, I didn't understand cutting Dalvin Cook. Like I just like I I understand like maybe shifting a lot of the uh, more snaps to Alexander Madison. But now you have Alexander Madison and who who the fuck knows is playing running back behind Alexander Madison at this point. Uh, so now you you like opened up this roster to like a lot of question marks, and your best players are all over thirty, and it's very much looks like they're going into a rebuilding year in 2024. And as you know, from studying the league, rebuilding is not guaranteed to be one year. It can be multiple seasons of rebuilding and get, and hit and, you know, throwing pitches and getting them wrong. Uh, and if that's the case, you kind of want to, you know, stockpile some of these winning seasons, right. To have some leeway with the fans. But if you go from a 13 win season and losing to the New York giants, who really had no reason to be in that game. Uh, to now losing the North to the Lions or losing the North to a Jordan Love Packers team and then going into a rebuild, that's a hard sell for fans. It'll be interesting. I mean, they didn't extend Kirk, so it is a last hurrah. Last year was kind of the last hurrah because you had, you know, all the old heads and Thielen, um, I mean, not Sidarius, but uh, Kendricks, you know, et cetera, that, that had been there for so long. Yeah, they're 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 in a complete like mid phase, uh, trying to get young because, like you said, a lot of their best players were older. The one I don't get still too is Daniel Hunter needs a new deal. Like he's not playing this season without a new deal. Um, and if they trade him as well, then I'm like, all right, now you're trying to be bad because their defense was horrendous last year. And it, I love Brian Flores, but it's still gonna be bad this year. Right. Uh, so yeah, no, it's the, the North was super winnable. I, I think they're just trying to maybe. I don't know. Figure out the quarterback thing, but yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting for sure. Yeah, I, 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 I'm. If they get rid of Hunter, then like I just, I then what? What was the point of extending Kirk? Like or like having that one year of Kirk, right? Like, like just it just didn't make any sense for me. And like Harrison Smith is like 175 at this point. Like I don't even know how that man's still playing Florida. safety, right? Uh, still very good, but it's just I, I don't know. Like this, 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 this. Vikings team, I again, I understand this is not an, a Super Bowl winning roster, right? Like, yeah, off the gate, right? But you knew this team was very capable of making the dance. Once you make the dance, who knows, right? You get hot at the right time. Maybe you don't win the Super Bowl. Maybe, maybe you make it to a championship game. You lose to the Eagles or whatever. That still buys you some time, right? I really do worry about that front office and that, uh, and that coaching staff. If they go from a listen, thirteen wins is great. Thirteen wins a game bounce in the first round, no one gives a fuck anymore, right? Yeah. Like, ask any Vikings fan; they're pissed about that about that season. Like, they, they don't view that season as good, right? They had a, they were, you know, biting their fingernails for for thirteen wins, and then they had lost the Giants, who yeah, the Giants were not a good roster, were not a good roster. Brian Dayball and his staff did a great job. Uh, Joe Shane is doing a very good job, but a lot of his pieces are very young and they're making rookie mistakes as young players do. Um, and they were still able to beat a, a veteran Vikings team. Um, and not only were they able to beat them, it seemed like everyone knew they were going to beat them. I think they were even the favorites in Vegas. Like it was very, or like it was like a three, a three, three point margin. Three 
Well, it was a three-point spread because it was one of the biggest bets of the, the season last year. It was yeah. Giants plus three. It was a lock in the millennium. <laughs> yeah, right. So everyone knew this, this was going to happen. Um, yeah. So I, I do worry about that. Um, you've worked in – actually, you worked for the Vikings roster at one point. How how would you balance that? Like, how, like would, would you – is it worth going all in and just like, all right, this roster's not good enough. Let's just tear it down. Would you try to win it out for the season, or would you do what they're doing now and be like slow rebuild throughout an entire season? Yeah, uh, it's interesting because I feel like you know with a guy like a Jefferson, like maybe you're just thinking of we have to like appease to the fact that there's an elite player who's in the prime of his career. Like so we, uh, you know, it's it's a tough line to walk. I. They did cut a lot of costs this offseason. Like, they have set themselves up to, like, if they wanted to, you know, spend and get – it's funny. I honestly think it's very funny. They've kind of set themselves up to where they could be the team that needs to sign a veteran quarterback or needs to get somebody and, like, needs a new Kirk Cousins. But anyway, you know, because they're kind of too good to pick super high type of, type of range. Um, yeah, it's been weird. I just thought last offseason, if you wanted to tear it down – Cut cut a year early, get assets for all those players, as opposed to letting them all just walk in for agency. Um, but yeah, I, it's it's going to be interesting for sure. Yeah, well, I guess some things never change. The Vikings still confuse everybody. Thank you for staying on for for, for that that much longer. But Brad, I appreciate you. Dude. It was great talking to you again. Check out the PFF forecast with uh, with Brad and George. It's one of the smartest little podcasts around. Uh, and follow Brad on Twitter. Uh, as as anyone who's followed him can t- can tell. Dude is on the fucking money with any uh, contract projections. It's honestly a little fucking scary. He seems like a, like a fucking time traveler. Uh, dude, see you later. Yeah, thank you, man. Appreciate your time. <laughs>